Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In a world of wrestling where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grindin' shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And the guest for this episode is Yvette Dianchaman, co-host of the OG Porn Review podcast, Two Girls, One Mike, The Porncast, along with episode 175 guest, Alice Vaughn. She also runs the blog, SciBabe, dedicated to clearing up misinformation about science, health, and nutrition. She also has a BA in theater, a BS in chemistry, and a master's degree in forensic science, along with being a contributing writer at The Outline and a columnist at Self. Her writing and public speaking aims to educate consumers and debunk common misconceptions and misinformation about alternative medicine, nutrition, conspiracy theories, vaccines, and agriculture. During her conversation, we talked about finally overcoming her health issues that have long plagued her. And about sex, gender identity, sex work, the porncast, mental health, debunking science misconceptions, big news in the science world, and all sorts of other nonsense. It was awesome to talk with Yvette. She is super fun to talk to, and I love her podcast still. It is fucking great. Without further ado, let's get on to the interview with Yvette Dianchaman. And I've been on Joe Rogan's podcast, and I'm just saying, being in that room with him for three hours is fucking intense. Like, that was, I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't, like, this is how dumb I, like, I'm this combination of, like, really geniusy science person yeah. and fucking moron. Like, and I, <laughs> and I think I have to own that I have these uh, moments or else, like, the genius doesn't, it, like, it's, it's, it's too obnoxious. But, like, it's. I, I had no idea like that he was like the, one of the most listened to podcasts. I had no idea like what the I just I thought 
all I thought was he was the asshole who uh, thought the moon landing was faked. <laughs> That's like all, I just thought that like done, like some idiots listened to him because like ha right. he thought the moon la- I did not realize it was this cultural juggernaut. Uh, and there I go, and I got more hate mail, and like there are two hate websites dedicated to me. Oh word! You know? <laughs> so it's like, and I have a like I have a side gig right now delivering weed because I like a discount on one of my favorite substances. All right. Uh, and you know I I'm a writer. Being a freelance writer does not always pay the bills. Of course. Um, and this surprisingly pays as well as one of my first lab jobs. <laughs> uh, yeah, California man, who the fuck knew? Uh, but why did you yeah, get so much hate mail after going on Rogan? Yeah, what was the, the topic? I was, I, was debun- I had written an article debunking chiropractic, and he because that's what I do is I debunk bad science. And uh, a bunch of people were like, he was mad because he'd seen all these videos of MMA fighters kind of like getting their backs adjusted. He's like, that can't be good for them. And there's no way that's real. And my article, I had four editors, a fact checker, and a lawyer look over it. This thing is airtight, solid. Yeah. And all these chiropractors came after me. They didn't say anything about the science. And I had everything peer-reviewed. I had all these meta-analyses. I was very careful about it. And I go after these things with science. It's never about the human. It's or it's never about the person. I'm never attacking an individual. I'm always going after the wrong things that are said. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm very measured. I, like, I'm very jokey and snarky, and I throw down a dick joke or seven. Uh, but I'm never, right. <laughs> uh, like, I'm never going after a human because I have a beef with them you know um and these chiropractors made it all personal and i was a little heavier at the time and they're like she's fat what could she possibly know about health i'm like well i'm thin now so suck my dick um <laughs> so but it was just it was crazy the hate mail i got i i was amazed at it so it was i i think if i'd known going into that how bad it was going to be i would have been a little um I would have sat down with like with like a, a speaking coach, or I would have I would have taken I would have had more clonopin before I'd gone into that. I would have been higher, something, anything, but whew, I uh, I was underprepared for what going through the because uh, like I swear to God, Alex Jones gets less pushback from Joe Rogan than I do. <laughs> Like it was, but yeah, I mean, he was very nice to me. I think like I I, I expect someone to give me some pushback because I'm pushing some ideas that people don't expect like it's i'm saying hey here's the thing a lot of people believe in but here's the science that says you're wrong right. so i expect people to push back a little but i also would expect him to do the same to alex jones i think yeah and I, but i think people think that that dude is plus he's, he's a dude you're a woman so, of course people are going to come after a woman you know why 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 can't we change that yeah i know it why sucks can't, why can't we be better and that's the thing. I'm pushing back on that idea, too. I'm like, be fucking better. Be yeah. better. Anyways. Uh, but, yeah, the good news, my for the first time, like, it's I don't even know what to do with myself. My head feels normal. And I haven't felt like, I'm like, this is, why are you people all celebrating all the time? You don't have a headache. This is what it feels like. <laughs> this, is, this is what my, like, I'm randomly crying because I'm like, this is so nice. It's just the weirdest thing. Anyways, uh, we should probably do some recording because I, it's, it's we got we got stuff to talk. It's what do you want? Are there any We're already doing like recording to... because I wanted to talk oh, about the, your how I to did... say your name. You know that was something I, I definitely wanted I, to talk about. I didn't know. I didn't know if we were. I thought we were doing the pre-recording stuff. So I'm just prattling on here. No, that's cool. perfect. No, that's all perfect. <laughs> oh, you you can edit out me being like we should record because you don't want people to tell hear me telling you how to do your fucking job. <laughs> No, that's, no. Or or this is gold. I don't know what you want. No, that's Either all way. that's all funny stuff. That's like that's like the best parts of like any podcast. My, you know, especially wonderful... especially your podcast and stuff, like is like the oh, yeah. all the all the like the stupid shit like that, you know, when you're like 
Yeah, uh, my my stupidity is gold. <laughs> it's Alex and I bounce off or out. Alex, Alex, <laughs> see, my stuttering is just I have I haven't caffeinated yet today. <laughs> this is definitely been the case. No, it's Alice and I. We we have a very a fun, ridiculous uh, partnership, and I'm I'm it's I'm hashtag blessed. No, it's uh, this is this is this is the work of Satan. This is God had nothing to do with this. Uh, so we're we we're lucky to have found each other. Yeah, I I just love the two girls one mic uh pot the porn cast. It's like I heard Porn about it. Pornhub Awards on. I'm going to the Pornhub Awards oh, on word. Friday. I'm so excited! Ah, oh, it's, great! Originally, I'd asked I'd asked Tom Arnold to go with me because he's been on our podcast. We've gotten to be kind of friends, and yeah. I was like, who better? <laughs> who would I get more people to tune into a live stream on than if I went with Tom Arnold? And he couldn't come. I'm like, damn it! He oh. was doing comedy out of state. But now I have an extra ticket to the Pornhub Awards. Oh, I wish I could come. <laughs> yeah, it's I need I need someone local. So, <laughs> Yeah, you, you seem to not be LA based. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm but, all the way yeah. here in Detroit. <laughs> no, no, which is which is definitely not. It, I feel like that might be the most not LA. <laughs> right. No, no, no. It's there. There's like a city in the deep south somewhere that's like, or not a. There's like a. It's actually. I've been to the most not LA place. I've dated someone in the most not LA place, Searcy, Arkansas. Ooh. I met him at a wedding, and I thought that was a good idea at the time. I <laughs> I have bad ideas. Oh, there's a story on how I broke up with him that is an amazing story, though. <laughs> Go ahead and tell a, it if you want. Here, this is this is a, now I accident. You can accidentally send somebody to punch an ex boyfriend or to punch a now ex boyfriend. <laughs> I re, true story accident. I did not. You know, you can tell someone. All right, so. Uh, his name, uh, I'm going to, we're going to call him Krauss for the sake of this. Cause that was his name. Um, Krauss. and he, Krauss, um, Ryan, Krauss, there's no way he's going to be listening to this unless oh. he's stalking my every move, which I really, I hope he has a life and isn't following somebody who we dated for seven months, like a decade ago. Like there's, if he is Ryan, find a, find new pussy. Okay. Do something else. Uh, it's, he wouldn't bring me home to mom because I wasn't a, a Christian. So that was, we knew this was fated to fail eventually, but, um, what was I it was, about it, him that, that, that you liked? Um, we had a good time talking about theater and baseball. I have oh. one of my undergrad degrees is in theater and I have a Red Sox tattoo. He was, a, he was a Rangers fan, but you know, I like, uh, having some, some heated discussions about baseball. Okay. It's a good time for me. Uh, and we just, you know, we got on well. I like, I, I'm, I'm a, as you can tell, I'm, it's hard to shut me up. It takes either a ball gag or a dick or, or a really, really good joke. Um, especially an insult, one in my direction. I like those, uh, but you know, um, he had the ball gags moving on. So, uh, we, uh, we had a good time, but, um, I just, I, it was coming to its close and we're going to leave the reasons for that out. And I could tell I was ready to, to split. And it's hard to split something off when it's long distance. It's like, you know, do I, do I just stop calling you? Do I have a screaming match? And I, I didn't know like where my line was on when we were going to, when I was going to just be like, this is over. Um, and I knew he was going to opening day at the, the Rangers had won. The Texas Rangers had won, uh, the world series that year. And I had lost a bet to him on that because, you know, I was a Red Sox fan and he was going to be at opening day and the Red Sox were playing them on opening home, uh, opening day for the Rangers. And a bunch of my friends, uh, who are nutty Red Sox fans who go to like, you know, they'll go to wherever the Sox are playing, uh, yeah. on their opening day, went to that game and, 
Krauss is bragging that he has box seats because his, you know, because because his parents gave him anything he wants because he's not spoiled at all. He's going to these box <laughs> seats, and a few of my friends I knew were likewise in box seats, and I'm like, all right, there's no way they're in the same box, but whatever. I text my friend Dan, uh, and I'm like, you know, if you see a guy. Uh, you know, it's a, a described Krauss. I'm like, you know, X height with this for facial hair and wearing this this shirt. Just do me a favor and punch. And you know, he had this. He had like the gauged earrings. And I'm like, you see, a guy looks like this. Do me a favor and fucking punch him. And Dan tells me. I and later on, I saw him in person. He's like, I looked down at my phone. I looked two feet to my right. <laughs> look back at my phone. Look back at him. Tap him on the shoulder. And Dan is six foot three, like 300 pounds, and he is quite literally an arms dealer for Lockheed Martin. <laughs> and Krauss has half an engineering degree and looks like a, like I, again, I had, I think everyone gets one relationship that they look back and think, was I drunk the whole time? Um, who knows? Who knows? Um, look, I just lost 100 pounds and I was very vulnerable. Uh, I, I still did not feel like I had that body yet. Uh, so I was, it's bad. I, anyways, so he looks at the looks at him and taps him in the shoulder and goes, hey, this you? And Krauss looks at the phone and sees my name on the screen. And he looks up at this very tall man and is like, what the fuck? Just, huh? Just has, is very flummoxed about what happens here. And then the Rangers score and of course, Krauss cheers. Dan shows it to my to uh, our friend Matt, and Matt was kind of like my big brother, very protective of me. Sees this douchebag cheering and just punches him in the fucking ribs. <laughs> I had no way of knowing they're all in the same box. It's a stadium for fifty thousand people. How? How could I have known? How could I have known? So. Krauss, I'm sorry if I'm still a, a little sorry. Like, I I couldn't have known. I couldn't have known. Like, that's that like saying if you go to Sweden and you see a guy named Sven. Like, you know, that's... <laughs> like, how do you... You can't predict that. Like, wow. It's, that, I mean... That is oh crazy. My God. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's one of those moments that I look and go, you could not write my life if you tried. Like, that's... I... I I still laugh. I still feel a little. No, I don't feel bad. Fuck that guy. He cheated on me. Right. <laughs> Either way, nah, nah. It's that. That's the thing that happens. So. Wow, yeah. that's a, that's a crazy story. It's I've I've yeah I I don't have I wish I had a, like a good segue into something else. I feel like if Alice were here, she'd say. So speaking of. Yeah, speaking of. Uh, yeah, of of punching exit. I have no idea. What, but one of the thing that is like. Stories like that and like your analysis, uh, sense of humor is what I love most about the uh, about uh, your porn cast. Is like after listening to the first one, I was like, they have like the same sense of humor I've always had, and I love both of them. I want them to be my best friends. I've oh. I have like a friend crush on both of you. I'm like, I, I want to like, I'm like, I love the I love them too. I love their I sense of humor. And that's kind of how it's like Alice and I started by having kind of like a friend crush on each other from across the internet. And like, I had a pretty big following already and she was starting uh, work on the thing, offensive crayons. And we finally had like a few conferences that we were at at the same time. 
Uh, and like she, like I had a, a, like a couple hundred thousand followers and she's like, if I ever get to meet her, we're going to be best friends. And like, <laughs> you know, she willed it into life. She's, she, she is a tenacious human and I love her. Uh, and I, uh, here's, you are, as you can tell on our podcast, we get very personal. Yeah. We, we, we t- like, and I mean, we, we try to keep our personal sex lives out of the thing because, you know, our partners did not sign on for insane people for, gr- for girlfriends slash wives. They, uh, they did not sign on for their penises to be discussed right. uh, on these things. So we try to keep that to a minimum, but we t- do talk about some personal stuff uh, on there. So, you know, in the, in the vein of personal stuff, one of the things that Alice and I bonded over earlier uh, was, you know, with her inner pack of offensive crayons, she list things that she has some sensitive subjects in there. Uh, and I, uh, I had had a miscarriage. Now I wasn't trying to get pregnant. Uh, I figured out that I was pregnant by not being pregnant anymore. And I was like, sweet, my body saved me $400. Uh, <laughs> and that's, yeah, I, I know there are people in the audience that are like, where do I send the hate mail to? I fuck you, you know, <laughs> right. you want to send me hate mail or I don't care. But you know, like I was a hormonal mess because that's the thing that happens with that. Your hormones are like, we're going to screw you up for a month over this, even if you didn't want to be, um, um, but this is the first time I was really, you know, Alice and I were at a conference with each other for a few days and she had had one of the like first packs of offensive crayons with, with her. And she was like, I present you with this. And she gave me miscarriage maroon. And I laughed so hard <laughs> because I'm like, finally, someone who I can t- like, who I can talk about this with, who I don't feel like I'm going to be, you know, it, uh, stepping on their feels. Cause I had friends who had miscarriages from, you know, pregnancies that they wanted. And I felt like if I talked about that, they'd be like, this is, you know, the wrong way to feel. And I'm like, I can just cope with my life with humor with, with Alice. And, you know, we don't always, you know, we don't see eye to eye on everything, but we can always talk about what we're, uh, you know, we can, we can always find a, a, you know, poke the humor out of life together a bit and being able to poke the humor out of porn, man, it's been fun. Uh, like, my it's it is nice to have a husband who brings you coffee whilst you're recording this is i i recommend that to anyone who's hunting for a husband get one that makes you coffee oh, that's good nice. coffee i don't know if you're hunting for a husband but if you are get one that makes you coffee right <laughs> it's, i i have no idea what you're i i i hadn't asked yet how's what's what is your relationship status and or what's what what's what's happening in your life kelly i'm <laughs> single right now i'm uh, i'm uh how how can you say it? I don't like the word coming out, but I'm 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 saying that I while I while I prefer women. Yeah. Hold on, just one second. Okay. Just here. Oh, um, break it, baby. There we go. You were you were saying? Well, I, what I was saying is maybe it's not saying coming out, but while I prefer women, I'm I'm at this point where I'm I've decided that I want to. Uh, um, identify both sexually and gender-wise as queer. Oh, congratulate! So it's I congratulations uh, for for uh, for figuring that out about yourself. It took that a is, long time to figure it out. It was just like is, a long time because like when you go back 10, 15 years, you know, you know the only information out was either you're gay or you're straight. You know, and then there, and then there's right in the middle where I am. I am bi because. Boobs are wonderful. Oh yeah, I mean, so is the rest of it. I'm just saying, but you know, right? That's, I, lo- <laughs> I think that's the first thing that happens to women is we see our girlfriends getting boobs, and we're like, I don't know if I want them for myself or if I want them. And it's a very confusing time in a woman's life. But you know, you settle into one of two of those, and I, I just, I can't choose. Right. It's like while I, you know, while I definitely do prefer women, but there's just like this gray area where I'm like, you know what? I don't really 
care as much, but like I'm not specifically bisexual. I'm not like pansexual or any of these other things. I like the term queer because it's like covers it all. It's open ended, you know, and I like, you know, I like boobs. I like I like vaginas, you know, but like there, if I think there's something a, else. I think there's something else out there, too. And if you meet a guy that's it for you, you know, you're open to that. Yeah, it's like that's. None that of is it, a healthy attitude. It is. And it was just like, but like when you go back 10 to 15 years, those discussions and information just didn't exist. Right. So you didn't like, especially for guys and you didn't know what this, what I was feeling, you know? And it was like through, it was through a bunch of things over the past few years. It was through uh, certain podcasts, um, even stuff that I, you know, heard on, on your podcast, like really, do you listen to, do you, uh, sorry for interrupting, but it's what I do. So I try to do it often. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, do you listen to this, uh, to the love cast, to the savage love cast? No, I don't. Oh, that one's pretty good. It's, it's, yeah. uh, I, I'm pretty sure there were discussions there that helped save my, my now marriage when it was <laughs> in its infancy, but no, that one's really good for communication and for helping figure yourself out. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things that really kind of helped me figure this out. And one of the things like the, like, this is actually like something I didn't really expect was that over the past couple of years, I got really involved in like the comic book community. A lot oh, of the, wow. the nice. a lot of the creators people that you'd see in artist alley at conventions and um, through a lot of them, like there's a lot of people who identify as queer or bisexual and stuff like that. But you know, they, they, they don't make a real, they, they love, they have the representation, but there, there's nothing stereotypical about them. Like there's, you know, queer women who are married to a guy and yep. stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Like, like you're saying, yeah. like there's and a lot, I, there's a lot of, I've met a lot of people like that where they, they identify as bi or queer, but they're married to someone who is, you know, who looks, who makes them appear hetero. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, and, and there's it, this whole thing of bi erasure, which like, and that's why they have bi visibility day. It's like, yeah, yeah I know. I, you know, I, I get it. This is the, this is the orientation I appear, but it's, but this is not, you know, this, this is, things are not always as they appear. Like right. there's this whole, like my, here's a, here's a completely, uh, unrelated thing, but very, uh, similar in terms of visibility for, uh, for LGBT, uh, for LGBT people. My brother is trans people don't, there's a lot of trans male, uh, erasure because they look, uh, they look like they were born male nobody looks at a trans man and thinks i can see what gen- like i can see what you looked like right you know for the fir- last 30 years of your life before you transition like he just looks like a fucking dude now <laughs> he's got right. facial hair he's got man muscles you know it's like nobody would have ever expected but it also like it's good for him because he just functions in society as the gender that he that that he is you know and and that you know, he, yeah, yeah. that he, that he should be perceived as, but it also means that people don't see that he's gone through, that he's gone through this, that, you know, that like people only see it with women, I guess. So, yeah. I mean, it's it, mixed bag, I think. Yeah. And the thing is with me too, it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not changing any other thing about me. I'm still yeah. going to look like a white dude in America, which is going to, I have certain, you know, white privilege just in that you know but i just know like inside like how i feel like that it's something 
that is, you know, different than just the black and white issue of, you know, being gay or straight, you know, it's something totally different than I feel that's in that gray area, you know? Yeah, it's I mean, there are no matter what, like coming out and having people know that you that that you're anything other than straight, white, cis, het, like there's there's always going to be, uh, even if it's not readily apparent, a slight change in the privilege spectrum. And it's not you have it or you don't. There's a spectrum of yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's there. And I mean, it's like it's like it's not white. Have all the privilege. It's are you a white? Are you straight white cis het male and right. tall? And I mean, I swear to God, tall adds a factor to it. Like as my right. husband <laughs> phrased it, I'm as I mean, my husband six foot two straight white cis het. He's like, I am sitting atop privilege mountain. Yeah. But it's like you you add money to that more. And like I it's I mean I work my my side my little side hustle is delivering weed. And I joke that I am the I mean, it's not really a joke, but it's, you know, it's true. I joke that I'm the weed dealer that rich Beverly Hill Jews love uh, to show up to deliver for them because I look so uh, non-threatening. Yeah, exactly. And it's because because I'm the Karen of fucking weed dealers. (laughs) Like this is it's not what people expect. Like I I look non-threatening and that's not fair that I look non-threatening because everyone else that works at the same company me as as me and I'm the only uh, white girl that works as a driver. uh, Everyone else is just as (laughs) non-threatening. They're just as nice. They're just as uh, going to show up to your door, be friendly. But like. I, I'll, we'll talk about, you know, at, at the office about the conversations we have uh, with customers. And they're all they're all like, no, it seems like everyone's friendlier to you than they are to us, which is really strange. Because like, I'll, I'll be asked, uh, so what's it like doing this job? And nobody, none of the rest of my coworkers get asked that. Right. And we figured out they're not asking what the job is like. They're asking what it's like for me. Right. <laughs> for me, for for the Karen to do it. You know, and it's <laughs> it's a strange dynamic because people are like people judge you based on what they expect from your demographic. And it's like everyone's like, no, I judge the individual. No, they don't. Now, you, see, and see, that's that was a problem with me is that. Um, Maybe not the the general demographic of me, yeah. but it was also like what I was involved in. That like cause I I, I've been. Cat. Side note: I have a cat drooling on me right now. <laughs> I see, but like I'm I've been heavily involved in the music scene, uh, specifically cool. the hip hop scene here in Detroit. Thanks. You know, a music journalist, um, um, oh. a DJ, and stuff like that. So there's certain like things that people might expect of me or expect someone in that position to do that I just never did. You know, I was never a big, you know, drug addict and never did a bunch of Coke or anything like hard drugs or, Hey, there's still time. There's still time, but you're not a quitter. You could try. No, I, I'm done with that. I quit drinking three years ago and that was very helpful in my life, but I used to party in that way. I used to party in that way, drink a lot. But there was just a lot of, are you, are you a hundred percent sober or are you somebody who's cut down to the point where you can have one and walk away? No, I'm a hundred percent sober. I won't have like one drink at all. No. Cool. I just, I, I wasn't, because there are some people who yeah. I, I wasn't sure what your situation was. Congratulations. I'm very happy for you. I'm, I'm, as we call a lightweight. So when I have a drink, it is, I have like three drinks a year and it's, it's just, I, it's right. when I'm with people who don't drink, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> this makes, this makes my, cause I can be goofy as shit without alcohol in me. <laughs> right. Right. It just, yeah, sometimes like what people expect of you and then what you're, what you actually are, you know, are two different things. And 
I think that's, that was another reason for me making this decision to identify as queer is that I wanted to just put more stuff on the table because like, especially, especially with like dating, like I felt like I was just, um, sort of, I was always attracting the wrong type of women before. And I don't think they just, I, I didn't, I think they had a perception of me that was totally different than what I was. Uh. And I don't, and even with the queer thing, I don't want to be like, just like dating somebody that doesn't, who is like closed minded towards that. They don't have a problem with it, but yeah. are just closed minded. And like, I'm, you know, not trying to just teach someone how to, you know, be around a queer yeah. person, you know? <laughs> You know what? I, it was funny because I was on OkCupid for like a year before I met my husband. And it turned out he was on OkCupid too, but I met I met him on Facebook. He was like one of my first followers on what at the time was a rinky-dink Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, and like after we'd been together for a few months, like we were, it was like, oh, you're on OkCupid too? Like we, you know, we had our deactivated accounts. We like activated them to go have a look. Yeah. We were a 90, we were a 94% match. I'm like, yes. Wow. Nice. Uh, but like, but I was pretty honest about the questions I had on there on sex. And I get it. Everyone's on Tinder. No one's on OkCupid anymore. Uh, but like what I liked about OkCupid was they had a lot of questions and they were very specific and very – you could be very open about what you wanted and yeah. what your experiences were with sex. And it was – I was like, all right, I'm going to be honest enough that I'm going to get someone who knows what I'm about and should, if they answer these, uh, have some experience in these and not be a dickhead about it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean – that was like you could answer 2000 questions or you could answer like 100 and answering about 100 of them would get you to someone who should match with you enough, um, at least to the point where if your personality like you, there was no accounting for personality, but it would, uh, you know, eliminate people who would be, you know, dicks about the queer thing. Right, right. Yeah, it just like today I actually deleted my uh, I deleted Tinder and uh, Bumble off of my uh, my cell phone. Hmm. Cause I just found myself just like dicking around on there oh, like, yeah. and I'm not You're shopping for pretty faces at that point. Yeah. And I'm not even like caring, you know? And I was just like, no, I don't even need to waste my time on that. Cause I'm really, oh. I've, I've never really met anybody on any of those. So I'm just like, eh, I'll just delete it. Cause I'm not going to find anybody that way. It's going to be another way. I just feel mm-hmm. so. Yeah. It's, I, I would I was really surprised at how I met my husband. It's like I if you had told me it, it was going to be from launching a website in which I could rant about how people were full of shit and people were going to be gravitated towards that. And I would meet a random local chemist with great hair and then he would be in a relationship when I first met him. And then we were randomly going to get single within a week of each other. <laughs> and that was just going to work out. And I was going to here's the here's the kicker. I banged him the night before our planned first date and he's he's my husband now so oh. my my advice to all of you bang right away that right. way you know if you're at least sexually compatible and you want to keep having sex right <laughs> like about like when i was on ok cupid because you know i was on there because i i wanted to find like i was 31 i'm like all right you know time like I, I'm t- like at the time I was kind of I was having fun. I'd been kind of I'd been, you know, quote, playing the field. I had plenty of sex. There was dick like there was dick and pussy falling off trees for me. It was wonderful. But, you know, I, I to quote Ariel, I want more. I wanted I wanted some, a person to come home to. I wanted someone to snake my drain if I would just blow them. You know, that's what I wanted. Yeah, uh, I, it's that was that was my uh, that was what I was hunting for. Uh, and, you know, a year on OkCupid and I met some nice guys um, and some nice, not some nice ones. And, you know, just uh, I was a. Uh, 
you know, dating is, is hard. And it's like, dear God, I need something that's not this. Uh, and there was one guy that I waited like a month to sleep with. Cause I really, really liked him. I was like, all right, maybe I sh- I'm going to try not to blow this. Uh, I mean, I'm going to blow him, but I'm not going to sleep with them. Uh, but I, I'm going to try really hard to not fuck this up. And the sex was so bad. <laughs> like it was, irreparably I'm like look I got to 31 and I fucked my way through half the east coast to not have to train someone (laughs) it was I felt so bad because he was such a nice guy like I hope that god I hope that somehow he finds a girl that doesn't care so much about the sex who he's gonna make laugh so hard and be very happy with her because he was such a nice guy Scott wherever (laughs) you are I'm sorry you were bad in bed but you were so nice (laughs) I feel like that I might be that person because Oh, here's the thing. If you think you might be that person, that means you want to change. I do. Now, the thing, yeah, the thing is, is like, okay, the past, um, okay, I quit drinking three years ago. Uh, that would be three years ago in a couple of weeks, actually. Congratulations. Um, I've been going and, to. Um, so is yeah. it, may I ask, do you, do you feel any urge to drink? Or no, you just, no. Are you There's only good? been a couple of times when I felt the urge to drink, and that was like, when I was like basically going through like a panic attack, like a heavy, like, and I've been going to therapy for a little over two years now. And then I've been, um, I'm just, I'm really impressed. Yeah. And then I've been on a lot um, of people do the hard work. So yeah. And then I've been on, um, I've been on uh, medication, uh, Lexapro and, um, Ritalin for the past year. Do they ever um, do they ever uh, suggest Wellbutrin? Because a lot of people actually use that for alcohol cessation. No, nah, no, nah, because I don't really have the alcohol sensation. It was just okay. like it, it was funny when I quit. Oh, no, no, dr- not not sorry. Uh, cessation, as in to help cease using it. Oh, okay. It it stops. Like people will use it for um, to stop with alcohol, to stop with cigarettes. It just it cuts the. It kind of hits your hypothalamus, uh, your hypothalamus, and makes cravings go down. Now nah, with me, when I quit drinking, it was like a switch turned off with me. Like, wow. It was is- it was it was the weirdest thing. Like the thing is, for like a year, I think before that, I was like kind of half-assed trying to quit. Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll just have a drink here and there. Um. But then there was times when like it it would just get out of hand, you know, Ooh, and because because it happens. I'm the type of person who I know so many people that work at bars and stuff that I can yep. drink free a lot, you know. <laughs> and finally, one night I I really got really drunk. I you know I already have one DUI like from 12 years ago, so Ooh. um. I, I was starting to get the feeling that I was going to get another DUI because I was being oh irresponsible and driving. And um, there was this one night where I got really hammered. Um, I went to uh, an Asking Alexandria concert. Um, then um, I went to a bar afterwards, drove home, um, sent some naughty texts uh, to, some, uh, to, to a friend, <laughs> and she just laughed. Oh, oh wait a minute. No, this is the funny thing. I was sending naughty text, but then I thought I was sending a uh, like a DM or something on Twitter, but I made it oh, I made a public post. Oh shit. That's a ama- <laughs> like here's the, you know what I would have done with that just kind of as a reminder to never drink again. I would have taken a screen cap, made a poster of it on my wall to be yeah. like this is what happens when you drink. I, I don't ever do it again. Then I passed out. I wake up the next day and my, my one of my friends sends me a screenshot with like he's like yo champion tweet and I'm like 
<laughs> Holy shit. I think that the, the, the the tweet was I've been I've been on mushrooms, I've been on <laughs> ecstasy, and I have never sent out like you know what I do before those drugs? I turn my phone off. <laughs> so, those are like anything above cannabis, you turn your phone off. No, it it was, goes, I wasn't it goes even on my phone. I was on my laptop, like doing all that. Cause I was back to the crib on my laptop just like Ugh. and I think the I, I think uh my my tweet to her was um I'm fucking drunk. We should fuck when you come into town. <laughs> oh my god! Totally public, and I was just like, "Oh shit!" And then at, between that and everything else, like that morning, the switch went off, and I was just like, "I'm done." Like, time. It's this is this is the uh, this is my wake up call that I have done fucked it. Like I did so much crazy shit that night. I was just like irresponsible shit that I was just like, all right, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I just stopped and I was fine Good. with it. And it you was know, funny. Some people just need that one wake up call. Yeah. My, it is, oh, it my is. grandmother quit smoking when she yeah. woke up one morning after uh, smoking too much on New And like, she was kind of a casual smoker, smoked too much on a new year's Eve. And she, or she was like, you know, everyone was smoking a lot of cigarettes and that was back before they were like, you know, fuck you up on one cigarette yeah. level of nicotine. But she's like, yeah, my throat feels kind of sore from smoking too much. I'm just going to finish this pack and not smoking. Never smoked again. Wow. Yeah. And like it wasn't a plan. It was just this feels kind of gross. But, you know, you just some people just hit their breaking point And it's I'm I'm glad you did before your breaking point was your neck. Yeah. And know what? Know what the craziest shit is that I didn't realize what alcohol did to like my body, like what it was like. It was numbing my like everything. It was like it was numbing my like emotions um, I, I already knew that if I drank, I instantly got whiskey dick, but like your dick's feeling better too, isn't it? I, I didn't realize that it was killing my sex drive too, because oh, shit. I was realized for a while. And this was another reason why I was like questioning my, uh, my sexuality because I thought I'm like, okay, maybe I'm gay because like, Oh, cause it wasn't working with women. It just wasn't working a lot. And for a while, I just didn't realize, okay, maybe it was alcohol. And You know, denial is a hell of a drug. Right. And after I quit drinking, once, like, maybe four or five months afterwards, like, when your body's finally healed yeah. up from all of that, yep. I started, like, getting, I'm like, it was like all these repressed feelings were, like, coming up. And I was like, and the next thing I know, I'm, like, starting to, like, feel the like I would I was always like how come all my male friends are always like yo I need some pussy right now I haven't had pussy in three days and I just was like eh, I don't really uh, you're like maybe maybe there are other options for me I was like I don't know I'm not really thinking I'm like I don't got but like four or five months after I quit drinking I'm like dude I'm horny now what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> like because because when I was drinking when I'd be drunk I would get really flirty but it wouldn't wouldn't go anywhere because I got that was it was like it was like awful because I would get super flirty, but oh. <clears throat> it's 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 like the orcas uh, fin. But then again, but then again, I feel like that happening saved me from some really yes. questionable pussy. It's or <laughs> you know or it saved some pussy from some questionable you. Yeah, but it, there. It, it, People were saved 
by the whiskey kind. It's I mean, it was I was a, saved because there were some women that I should not have put my dick in that I'm glad I didn't put my dick in. <laughs> you know, it's I I think you know what? It's a good thing that there was not too much drunken fucking while you were on that much drunkenness. How about we how about we leave it all because I mean, nobody Nobody really wants the the you know the person who is on so much alcohol that they can't get it up because that's just a bad night for everyone. Right. Especially if you're nobody knows if they have an angry drunk with them, especially if it's a first night. Like that's a bad moment for a woman too because you're like, oh god, is he gonna get mad? Like that's like the there are. It's not a good evening for everyone involved. So but I'm yeah. glad you're sober. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, I'm, no, I mean, I'm, in, I'm legit happy for you. But it's like, you know, these stories don't always end this way. And you probably know the stats on this. Oh yeah, I totally, I, I just knew that I was very, I was being very irresponsible, you know, in so many ways. And then I, you know, in the long run, I realized what it was just doing to my body and to like my emotions and everything I can feel, I can feel more, you know, I guess I have more emotion, but I'll say this, like, you know, with all the whiskey dick that I had, you know, I did try to compensate by eating pussy and I really do enjoy that. It's, you know what? As do I, I enjoy it. It it is one thing that I, that I, I miss, uh, from, from being, from being in a monogamous relationship, but you know, it's we we do you know we we do we do honor what we have <laughs> it's yeah. you know here's the thing it's kind of like it's it's kind of like saying oh no it's i you have to you look at a menu and you have to choose the chicken or the fish you make a choice and one that and both things are delicious right but i so. really i really do enjoy like eating pussy it's like really i i like actually i like the i like satisfying somebody you know hold, hold on just a second what do my husband just said, so from that metaphor, is surf and turf like a pan meal if they're non-binary? <laughs> my, my husband is a very clever man. <laughs> I, there's a reason that I married this human. He's my favorite human. But I, but I also know that if I was like, honey, there's a woman that I would really, really, really like to have sex with. He'd be like, go with God, my child. It's so he's it's I, we have a good marriage. That's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's I it's I I'm I I found like, look, I waited. I I. A lot of my friends got married in their 20s. I was a bridesmaid. Uh, I, I like to call it three and a half times because my brother's wedding was was a fairly fairly informal wedding, and I was quote the like uh, I uh, me and the wife's uh, uh, sister were the were the bridesmaids. Uh, but like I said, really informal wedding. Uh, but uh, three out of four of the weddings that I was a bridesmaid in ended in divorce. And I'm like, I waited till my thirties so that I would skip the first divorce. Yeah. That's, so. that's, that's what I say. About, like, yeah, that's a joke that like people say, like if you've been single into your thirties, like you're just uh, like statistically skipping your first divorce. Yeah. You're statistically more likely to stay married because you just, you know, you didn't get married when you, you're kind of who you're going to be. Like uh, yeah. my, my my OCHEM professor in undergrad, like I, you know, she was, uh, pardon me, she was at the time that she told me this dating the man who she eventually married, uh, and she was late twenties or early thirties, I think, and she said to me, "Can I get?" And just I was her assistant all four years of college. She said to me, "Can I give you some advice? Don't get married till you're after twenty five. 
because you're more of who you are when you're after that age. And, you know, I was really, really happy that, uh, that, you know, it would have been nice to not spend, you know, 25 through 30 kind of languishing and singledom. But, you know, <laughs> I am very happy that I was at this point in my life and my career had done, you know, enough things on my own, had explored, had gotten all the strange dick pussy and everything in between right. uh, that I'd wanted. Uh, and, you know, I was at the right place to meet, uh, to meet the husband that I got. So he's he's pretty fucking neat. I like him. I will keep him. At this point, like, I w- nothing would have worked out for me when I was younger. Yeah. Just I I just know it. Exactly. Like, oh yeah, and it's, it's a thing where like I look back and like before I met Derek, same thing. Like I would look back over and go, did I miss it? Like, did I miss the guy before? Did I fuck up? with the guy before was I too much of a neurotic mess when I was with the person that would have been the guy what was it and it's like no it just it wasn't the right time or the right person in any of my relationships and like I'll I'll admit it I'm a pain in the ass and like I like to think that marriage teaches you exactly how much of a pain in your in the ass you are because you don't realize all the tiny little decisions in your day that you kind of make on your own that somebody else would make a slightly different decision on and it's not a big deal when you're making for yourself but in a marriage you have to compromise on all those little th- which coffee do we get which uh you know which place are we going to for our oil change how what are we doing for vacation this year right. are we you know which tickets are we buying for the- like and it's not none of these are like not a single one of them is a gut busting gi- giant heavy decision but they all add up to little things that you have to sit there and diffuse tension on yeah. and make <laughs> sure that you're on the same page on and like it's and you realize how much of a stubborn asshole you that you can be and it's not i think if if either of you in a relationship are sitting there going i'm not the stubborn asshole when you're both digging your heels in <laughs> on completely silly things and it's like like i said i'm i'm owning this about myself but i think that everyone in a marriage kind of realizes at some point you're being like that you're all kind of a stubborn asshole but you you realize yeah. that about yourself and you go oh it's me too and somebody is putting up with me and i'm so grateful for it and it's it it's nice. You do you learn about yourself more. You learn about what you're willing to put up with. You learn about, you know, that you're you you find out how grateful you are for for that human that's going through life with you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm the so. type of person who I love having my own space. Yeah. Like I've I've dated like women before who like from the jump just wanted to hang out with me every day, and I'm yeah. like, wait, I didn't think this is how like dating works. Like, I thought maybe a couple times a week we might see each other. But no, they just, like, dive in, and I'm just like, <sighs> You're like, this is a bit much. No, Derek and I were together, like, immediately, uh, like, all the time right away. But uh, because we also have jobs that, like, he, at the time he was working as a college professor and I'm a writer, we have jobs that kind of, like, pull us to our own corners a lot. Like, yeah. I have to travel for speaking engagements sometimes. So we have necessary a part-time and so, you know, we like it was it kind of worked that we that were people that, you know, we're homebodies. We like to we like to be in the same place, but kind of in our own quarters playing on our own laptops. See, yeah, so. that's the type of things that like I would need in my life to someone who understands that okay, I gotta go into my little corner here for a little bit to do something, you know. Yeah. Can you go yeah. do something else? <laughs> yeah, like week one that I we were dating, I think he had a stack of paper. It was either week one or week two. He had a stack of papers to correct and I had an article due and we're just sitting in the same room ignoring each other. I'm like, you know, this is fine. <laughs> Actually that's like, like that's like 
That is so good. Like I've always like thought like if you could be in the same room with somebody and be comfortable but not say anything. Yeah. Like, like we, I feel like that's a, a great comfort to have, you know. Oh yeah. And I mean I know that it's I, I know I, I'm a little I'm a little chattier than most humans can put up with. I'm I'm fully aware that the fact that he knows he can look at me and go, Sweetie, can you shut up? And I, <laughs> I know I know that is not out of being mean. It's out of a that is a relationship saving tool that he See? knows when when is a good time to say that for both of us right uh, and it's you know it's he'll tell people if she's talking too much you can tell her to be quiet she'll listen to you <laughs> see that's why i like that's why i like you you're, you're that type of person being self-aware is is hugely important and also being able to take feedback like it's i yeah. think there are two types of talkers in the world uh talkers like me who uh understand that we're talkers and then there's the other type who's never stopped talking long enough to get a word, let someone else get a oh, word in edgewise yeah. to be told that they're, they talk too much. Oh, and then they I've hate met, it. <laughs> I've met three of them and they horrify, like it's, they make me shut down and sh like, I just go. And, and then, I, then I when you like try to sometimes. like, then when you try to like tell them that they, you, uh, they you, like. They don't take it well. Or you got to you got to you got to use a different medium. Like you got to like text message them to tell yep. them that they <laughs> It's like a sign at in right. uh, in love actually you're holding up postcard. No, I've had, I've had close friends where it's basically strained the relationship or totally broken down the relationship, the friendship because I finally was like, "Okay, you're always talking. You'll ask me a question, but a minute later we're still going back to talking about your shit and you're always talking about the same shit." You know, for the past five years, you've been telling me the same shit, <laughs> but uh, an updated version of it, you know, and it's different spin this time. I'm like, a friend from, oh, there was like, this friend my mother had from work who could out talk my mother and I combined, which is horrifying because my mom, I'm not sure which one of us talks more, which again, horrifying. Uh, look, I learned it from somewhere, um, but she had this friend who taught, talked higher and faster than both of us with a very nasal voice. Oh, Lord. Invited over to. Invited over to every holiday because she had no family and no one who wanted to hang out with her. I wonder why. Uh, and partway through Thanksgiving dinner, like before the fucking pie was out, I would just be like, Mom, I've got a headache into my room under the covers because I was like, I can't do this anymore. Maybe that's where if you got someone, your headache. It's right. It's, I blame Fran. No. It's, <laughs> oh, man. It's, you know, the headache is fucking managed now nine and a half years and all it took was a was a, a really slight medication change and i i feel like I, I i feel like i'm a new human i don't know what to do with this i'm randomly crying i yeah uh whew, there is i just a quick plug for my doctor that uh fixed this if you're in the los angeles area and you have been struggling with crani uh with craniofacial pain or orofacial pain if if you don't know what these pains are and you just have a quote migraine uh this doesn't apply to you but if you have trigeminal nerve pain if you have a constant one-sided pain on one side of your face um my doctor is dr rish hershinger he's actually a dentist who specializes in craniofacial pain oh. he is uh a it's i it was a two hour appointment in which he went over and that's what he does. His first appointment is two hours, goes through every medication that you've ever been on, asks what the effect was, asks the nature of the pain. And like he has a chart of every kind of pain. Like wow. he goes through a PowerPoint with you of all the different kinds of headaches. It's just like and I, I've read all like I'm a scientist. I've read all the medical literature on all the little subgroups of headaches. Like I this is the first doctor who and I don't like I 
it's weird. I know it's weird when a non-doctor is like, I know these better than my doctors. But this, the really rare headache groups, neurologists don't normally study those that much because you'll see them maybe twice in a career. So when yeah. you're the you know lucky caller a thousand, it really fucking sucks to be you. And I finally found the doctor who studied all of these. And, you know, first appointment out of the park. It just how did it take this long? And it's just, it's so depressing about how medicine works that I had doctors tell me this was all psychological. I had doctors Yeah, there's tell so me much I of that going on now, like, especially oh, with God. a lot of stuff that women go through where yes. it's just like, they're, you know, doctors are basically gaslighting women about, you oh know, the things that they're, you know, going through, you know. It's, and I wasn't, I wasn't asking for the fun drugs. I was asking, like, because I knew, because, of, you know, I was a scientist, I'd done the research. I'm like, I know this is treated with seizure medications and anti-inflammatories. I'm just trying to get the right combination of those. Yeah. Uh, and I had... One doctor, like one of the medications causes uh, a side effect of your appetite being reduced. She accused me of only wanting to be, she suggested that it might be psychological and said I only wanted to be on this med for the weight loss side effects. I'm like, bitch, I'm training for a half marathon. <laughs> I think the running might be doing it. And I mean, yeah, it did reduce my appetite. But at the same time, like I was trying really hard to eat enough to fuel the half marathon. So right, right. It wasn't helping me anymore. But no, like I had, I had one doctor accuse me of being it being psychological. One doctor, because when it started, I was a hundred pounds overweight. Uh, I one doctor said, you know, if you just lose some weight, exercise, and drink less caffeine, this will all go away. Um, like it was. Uh, one doctor said refused to not call it migraines, but migraines have specific. Like there are lots of different types of migraines, but in order to like. If you're not light sound sensitive and you're not nauseous or throwing up, it's almost uh, it, it's almost impossible to qualify it as a migraine. Like that's those are qualifying characteristics, and I've never been light sound sensitive with this, so it was very strange that a few doctors. And it was because I was a woman, and women are more likely uh, to be diagnosed with migraine uh, than cluster headaches or the tri well the trigeminal trigeminal nerve is just um, is that can anyone can get that damage, but cluster headaches are more likely to be men and uh, and migraines are more likely to be women. So they were like, ah, your first diagnosis was cluster headaches? Nah, it's a migraine. Like, no, it didn't match. <laughs> like, and it's like, it's kind of like your knee can hurt from being twisted or having a torn ligament or from being stabbed. Like there are more different ways that, uh, that a thing in your body can hurt and they all need different treatments. But yeah. doctors just look at me and said, woman in your mid twenties, uh, who's overweight and has head pain, migraine or psychological. Oh yeah, it's just that I'm sad about something. The psychological one sad. is like a thing that I always hear about for various things. Like I like I know a lot of women who like friends of mine who have uh who eventually, you know, got diagnosed with uh, endometriosis and yeah. they're always being and they were always told like oh it's psychological or some I other shit. You know, you would think with all of these stories coming out in major newspapers, like it's coming out in the New York Times, these are coming out in like, never mind pop newspapers, these are coming out in actual like journals. These are yeah. studies that have come out about this. And these doctors should be reading this. You would think with all these studies coming out that all of these OBGYNs, women, women are coming in with the same cluster of symptoms. Maybe they would go, we should check you for PCOS and for, and for endometriosis. Those should be, you know, suspects number one to at least check off the list. Yeah. Why not? 
Why not? You know, and I mean, those are like Picos, it's it's hard to wrangle the symptoms in, but there are a handful of things that are, that are a protocol for managing it. Endometriosis, sometimes you have to go in, do a surgery and remove all the tissue that's kind of grown throughout your body. Yeah. And doing that surgery, it's a major surgery. But my God, I have a handful of friends that have had it. Their lives have just improved drastically from it. And they just needed a doctor to listen. Right. And there's a, one of my friends, she, you know, just from seeing her like um, Facebook uh, posts about about it she you know she's had to go to so many doctors and they were all like you know not believing her or you know yeah just you know it or to well, finally you're a woman it's supposed to hurt yeah it's just and at this point you're like the more i read about it i'm like if a guy Fuck. came in complaining about this much pain in his balls, there would be like a 12 surgeon team in there analyzing it. Dude, yeah, <laughs> there would already be a cure. For it. Yeah, it's and I mean, I like I get it. Like, I mean, it's almost it is expected to a point that cramps are going to suck a little bit. But cramps should not be debilitating. Like they yeah. shouldn't. I, I mean, like I had at one point for birth control an IUD. It's a little piece of a little T-shaped piece of copper they put in there, and it's like fuck babies, which is great. Uh, but sometimes it can cause really debilitating cramps, and I was it was bad for me. And I mean bad to the point where I was like incapable of functioning two to three days a month. Yeah. And it, made my, and it could make periods last for up to two weeks. Yikes. That's not accept. And I had a doctor telling me, well, you know what, you know, if you just last another six more months, it'll probably go down six months. Are you kidding me? Fuck this no. is six. The, how many more years of my life do I throw away being miserable from something else? <laughs> like, ah, it's, I think they just think that being miserable is okay. Um, for, if, if, for if guys got like a cramp, like after getting a boner, then they would have like, oh my they would God. have treatment like 75 years ago. <laughs> I think I think what amuses me about there was a male birth control that they were testing out. The symptoms, the side effects were exactly the fucking same as the female birth control pill. Got yanked. <laughs> like I and here's the thing, I would I would love a male birth control pill uh because I think that, you know, once upon a time it was considered the the man's uh like job to do the honorable thing to go to the store and get the fucking condoms. Uh, and this was before uh the pill came out. And, you know, men are uh, it's it, it's often, you know, that the woman is blamed for being, quote, slutty if she gets pregnant, you know, out of you know, if she gets pregnant and doesn't want to. And it's like, guys, you you had you did the fucking two. There were I don't know if you heard, but mash and genitalia involves two people's genitalia. Right. Uh, so I would think that men who don't want to have children and would like to, you know, do some do some condom free banging, which you should wear condoms so that you don't have your winkle fall off. Uh, yeah. You know, perhaps if you want a secondary form of protection so that you both don't get STDs and prevent pregnancies, you know, sign up for a few of those side effects that your ladies have been getting for all these years. <laughs> Double up on that protection, gents. It's okay. We've been doing it for a long time. See what we've been going through. We've been, we've been doing what we can to prevent the babies. You, your turn. Your turn. <sighs> crazy. So, sorry for the passive aggressive commentary at your audience, which I'm sure is all very nice. That's oh, fine. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll get it. You know, it's, I, <laughs> it's I, just, I, I just, I just, I guess it annoys me that they, that like, you know, for years, like guys are like, I wish we could take control of this and then exact same side effects. And it's like, <gasps> there's, there's no way we can do this to the men's. Yeah, no, 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 we can't. Oh shit. No. We can don't worry, we can make men a little moody. It's never happened before. 
<laughs> we'll just tell them to smile more. It's always just been smile. effective. <laughs> Women are too uh too emotional for all of this stuff. You know, us men, mm. you know, we don't we don't get emotional. That, that Donald Trump is a beacon of emotional stability. It's a good <laughs> thing we have it's a good thing we avoided Hillary Clinton who's who's always very temperamental and breaks down co- Ah, okay, sorry. Politics, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the one thing that I really love about the the porn cast and and I feel like you know we really encapsulated with this uh, conversation is like even through all the the humor and dick jokes you know I'm always learning something there's always yeah, something we... we're learning about sex or the sex industry the porn industry whatever you know I've learned so much just by listening we do try to do that. I mean, we, we try to be all encompassing. We try to have, uh, we try to make sure there is something in there for everyone. Uh, and that it's not, um, how to phrase this. We, we try to keep it from being tawdry. Cause I mean, somehow we're talking about, um, we're having some really filthy jokes and we're, we're saying, we're talking about genitalia being mashed. And I mean, we have one episode in which somebody was fucked by a Jack in the box mask. I mean, there was, uh, it's, <laughs> Night Dreams. Go back and listen to the episode on Night Dreams. It was an early one, and yeah. Alice and I are still scarred by the the scene with the cream of Wheaties box. I think uh, it was that was or sorry, cream of not cream of Wheaties, cream of wheat box. That was that happened, and it's still a part of us, and we're all a part of it. Uh, but you know, it's I I think the fascinating part of it is that we didn't realize going into this. Like Alice, Alice has a physics degree. I've got a chem degree. We're both you know we're smart people with filthy senses of humor, and we did not realize. All the stuff that was below the surface here. Um, it's been so much fun getting to know the people in porn and seeing all the things that gave, they go through for their jobs. And I think a lot of people who were like, "Why are you talking to porn stars?" like that didn't uh, that didn't see them as humans before. Have started to see these people as they become pardon me as they become our friends they're like oh these are really funny people who love their jobs they're not in this right. out of a desperate situation they're passionate about what they do especially because we we review these parodies uh and the parodies are all so fucking funny like uh i still will recommend people watch fap to the future uh and oh my god fap to the future the fuck's capacitor you can have the best <laughs> orgasm of all time literally <laughs> oh my god Oh, yeah. Last night, uh, it was funny. My husband queued up a porn last night, and it happened to have the guy who played uh, Doc Brown. And I'm like, oh, my God, it was Doc Brown. And my husband's like, Yvette, can we just, can we just, you know, have our sex life and not have your work interfere with it, please? <laughs> so welcome. Welcome to my life. I now recognize porn stars from the things they acted in. It's, this is a weird side effect of it. Um, but no, uh, that one was one of my favorites. Uh, Pee Wee's Big Big Triple X Adventure. Uh, Tommy Pistol is he makes me laugh in everything he's in. Oh, there was an eight part, like four hour and thirteen minute Archer parody uh, called Striker, and it was so good. Like every there there are a ton of things that Tommy Pistol acts in that he stays in character while he's fucking. And Archer was one of the best ones, or this uh, Archer parody called Striker was probably one of the best ones. And like, this is why I say we love the parodies because we generally like, here's the big dirty secret to reviewing porn. We often skip watching the sex because, you know, when it gets just to bang, 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 I'm like, look, I can't chafe that much. Like, right. that's just, that's a lot of lube. I don't have the time. Uh, but like watching the when when they stay in character which Tom, this is why Tommy feels still my favorite and uh, same uh, Evanstone's good Tommy's my favorite uh they stay in character and this has birthed the Horat challenge it's there's so they did a, a Borat uh, parody Horat yeah. which you know appropriate uh and 
I, I, I challenge people to, while they're in that moment, things are getting heated up, your curls, your, your toes are curling and your you or your partner is about to blast off into, I want someone to just burst out with very nice and see <laughs> if, and see if everyone in that situation can keep their, their heart on, keep going without being like, what the fuck just happened here? Um, because I, I think if people don't think there's acting in porn, you try to say very nice in the middle of, of, of your bangery and see if it keeps going. Because you just watch a few of these parody porns and, and, and know that I am not kidding when I say there is acting in this. It's, oh, the, the Simpsons one was amazing, too. Uh, the, the yellow body point, it stayed on. It stayed on the whole time. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> We, oh yeah, we watched that. One of my my friend Anna was a Simpsons animator for thirteen years, and we watched that with her. So while we're watching it, we're getting like these behind the scenes stories from the Simpsons. Like we managed to get guests on that are like specific and like relevant for each of the episodes, or, yeah. or most of the time. So I mean, that was a good one. But yeah, I mean, we're we're amazed at the stuff we're learning. We try to you know bring in little tidbits about uh, about sex and try to uh, educate a little bit on that. So. It's been fun. It's we're we're surprised at how at, at how much we've been able to do with the silly silly concept of hey let's watch porn for the plots. Right. The uh, the newest episode I learned all sorts of things about uh, monkey and bear sex and penises. I'm gonna guess Natalia was the co-host. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this I'm like. I'm like this could be no one but Miss Natalia Regan. She is she's one of our our girl squad. We we love Natalia so much. Oh, she was dropping some knowledge about oh yeah about animals. I'm sitting there just like wow, this is a very uh, educational episode. We we went yeah. She's gonna bring you full Animal Planet. Uh, If you're if you're listening to an episode with her, she's uh, for. I think for for a year or two, she was uh, one of the writers and uh, co-stars on on Neil deGrasse Tyson's show. She was one of the Star Talk All Stars, so she's very very smart, very funny, uh, and we were we were, we are lucky we we're lucky enough that she's in our girl squad that she would come in and fill in for me while I was taking some time to get my headaches sorted out. So we're at that, and I mean, we just goddamn love her. She's adorable, right? And a lot of you know a lot of things I also learned through. Uh through the porn cast is that a lot of the issues that the sex industry goes through are, are very similar to things that other oppressed communities go through. And, and that you know, there's laws and stuff that's affecting all of them, you know, indirectly. And that's, you know, there's such a stigma about porn and the sex industry, but they're, you know, they've been very progressive about a lot of things and have, oh, yeah, and have actually innovated a lot of things that's, but at the same time, you know, they're going through a lot of the, the, the things that like the LGBTQ community is going through and that people really need to sort of pay attention to that. Oh, yeah. Now, one of the things that surprised us a little bit, and I mean, it, it wasn't shocking, but we were like, really? Um, you're more likely to get uh, your, like, say a fitness model and uh, a porn star or stripper post almost the exact same picture of them in like a bikini onto Instagram. The porn star, just depending on how it's hashtagged, depending on what, you know, what Instagram knows they do, the porn star will get their picture taken down and their account flagged. And oh, it's yeah. It, 
it's just it's not fair at all. Like these are people with huge followings who until Instagram takes down their account, they're making Instagram money because people are coming in and they're getting revenue from ads on their on their app, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's all these all of these platforms love the ad money that they bring in, hate them because, well, you know, purity and all that good stuff and and politics of making sure that the app is pretty and, you know, doesn't have the bad things that we all know <laughs> these people use. Like, yeah, it's yeah. But I mean, it's they've the the and here's one thing I really do respect about the porn industry. They have managed to self-regulate incredibly well. Like there's no mandate in place by the federal government for them to test uh, as often as they do, they get tested weekly, yeah. weekly. And I used to think it was before I started doing this. I used to think it was less often that weekly, uh, and people show up with their with their testing results uh, all the time. So I'm I'm really impressed with that. There hasn't been an outbreak of anything in years and years and years. Um, and it's you know it's it's stringent. There's one thing that does bother me, and you were saying there's. Um, you know about LGBTQ rights. Um, there are, uh, there is still a stigma for some actors who do crossover porn. So for people yeah. that do porn acting in, uh, in both or men specifically who do both gay and straight porn. No problem with women who do gay and straight porn. Yeah, like oh like, yeah, that's right. mandatory. Like it's, right. I mean. In every and this is something we found out in every long form like hour long uh, hour to two hour long like scripted porn, there's at least one lesbian scene. Of course, it's yeah, like of course. it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty much mandatory, which I think is is uh, kind of funny. But like that's not a thing for for men. Like there's no mandatory gay male scene, which I think is kind of. I think I'm like I, I want I want a mandatory gay male scene. That's that's hashtag I want I want that to happen eventually. But like I think it's kind of sad that with the same testing standards or like you'll depending on the source you hear it from, uh, you'll I'll, I've heard some people say there's not it's not the same testing standards. And then you talk to somebody who does crossover porn. He's like, no, it's the exact same testing standards. I show up every week with mine. So um, I wish that. I wish they would all get on the same page. I wish they'd all get in the same database. Um, and I, cause I, I feel that I feel that they're doing each other, um, and the industry as a whole, a disservice by not saying, yes, we are all tested exactly the same. Uh, we're in the same database. We're all on prep. We're all making sure that we're on pre-exposure prophylactic for AIDS. Uh, and I mean, I get it. They're not using condoms because can you imagine, like it's, <laughs> I, I see why they don't use condoms for, for most porn sets, but they do have them available on set, uh, in case somebody says, yes, I would like to use a condom. And I think that's where the industry has kind of landed. But I, I feel that this whole uh, aversion to, um, to gay men, uh, or to uh, men who do crossover porn, it's not it's not a good look. Um, it's, you know, everyone's got their own personal preference, but still not not a good look at all. Right, right, so, right. So come on, porn industry. Like, either, you know, get your act together on the testing, so it's all on the same page, or, you know, something not okay it bothers <laughs> deeply bothers me yeah yeah get their shit together <laughs> that, that, that is one thing that i found that's like mm, come come on you guys you <laughs> can do better what are some of uh, i know you've mentioned a few of them that you really like but like what are some of your uh your favorite porns that you've been able to Ooh. to see oh favorite por- let's see um we can go with favorite porns or favorite porn stars. So um, let's see. Favorite favorite ones that we've watched. Now, The Big Lebowski has a, a deep place in my heart because I, I tell I still tell people, watch The Big Lebowski Triple X for the fucking cinematography. <laughs> I'm not even – there's a scene where, like, there's the flying over the bowling alley, and I'm like, are you kidding me? 
they did this for a porno my god like it's <laughs> The guy who now this is funny because we we watched it we reviewed it there was the the John Goodman character uh, it's a non port it's an it's a non sexing role uh, and somebody the guy who played that character listened to the podcast and then invited us onto his radio show because he was just so happy with the review and came to that <laughs> <laughs> we were we had no idea like we walked into that just thinking oh it's you know it's a late night kind of uh, sex based podcast or. Uh, radio show about sex uh and we were we were kind of you know quote ambushed but in the nicest possible way going what this is who we're talking cool and it was so nice but uh we loved that one uh as i said earlier peewee's uh big triple x adventure holy shit uh uh tommy pistol blew us away with that one because just in every moment he was peewee like and at first because i didn't realize he could do such a good peewee impression and he was just peewee. He was the whole time. It was incredible. Uh, watch that. And again, if you don't want to watch the sex scenes, just watch the fucking thing and laugh at peewee the whole time. It's so good. Um, that one, again, Fab to the Future was good. Uh, Ghostbusters Triple X. Now, there's the best thing about Ghostbusters Triple X is afterwards they have outtakes and behind the scenes thing. Now, of course, there was a Slimer who's, you know, jerking off. And <laughs> that's the slime. Now, Behind the scenes, there's a moment where Evan Stone, uh, he's the one who gets slimed. He's playing the Bill Murray character. Right. Um, and he he's arguing with the director that he has to, as the camera starts to roll, pour the thing of slime onto them or onto him so that you can catch the slime dripping down him. Because <laughs> otherwise, if you just pour it on, it'll just be him covered in slime. He's like, no, you have to. He's arguing with the director. I'm like, this man is a thespian. He's making sure that you can get the authentic slime dripping experience. Right. This is a man who this is a man who knows all about slime dripping down a face. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to leave that for a second until I get the laugh it deserves. Anyways, but it was it was so good. And the other one I like to recommend, and it's because it's the weirdest slash best acted threesome I have ever seen, is E.T. the Extra Testicle. Mm. <laughs> when I say... When I say it is the weirdest and best threesome I've ever seen, it's the episode we reviewed with Allison McKnight, uh, who is a former – I don't know if she still does it, but she's not just a porn writer, but she also gives uh, uh, classes on scripting porn parodies. She's awesome. Uh, and it's – there is a threesome scene with uh, a, a, a man and a woman and the E.T., and this girl just acts it so well that I'm like, give this girl all the fucking Oscars. I want all the award. And I don't know how, but she acts like she's genuinely interested in uh, and not a, like and enjoying and down with a threesome with this fucking Muppet. I don't know <laughs> how to like it's not it. It works and it's so good and it's so unnerving. But you're like, I don't know what's going on here, but get me some popcorn and lube. <laughs> like I don't. It's it's weird and I yeah I I you just you have to see it because of how good bad it is. I yeah that's oh and the Archer uh, eight part parody because right. you know if you're gonna watch eight, four hours of Archer, there may as well be boning. Right. Have you seen the 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 trailer for the Captain Marvel uh, porn parody? No, I haven't, but now I want to. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's another uh, Axel Braun one, uh, oh, so. who did the, the Deadpool one. Oh, somehow we haven't seen the Deadpool one. Deadpool is one of my favorite uh, of the of this universe. Yeah, th- those the those look like they're very well like produced. 
Want to know what my least favorite one was, though? I mean, we've had a few stinkers, like Full Holes, which was the Full House parody. Awful. <laughs> Awful. Like, I mean, how do you flub your line? Like, there were, like, three lines of dialogue in each scene. It was like, you know, they get out, like, the the Full House how to, you know, lines that you have to do. Like, how rude. And then right. off to the banging. Uh, but, like... They they mix up character names. Like there are five characters. Like you just have to say Stephanie and not Michelle in that scene. That was not a difficult. Like you could have said cut and then back. That was not a dip. But that was bad. The other one that was really really bad was Avengers. I don't know if they called it Ass Avengers or Avengers Triple X, but the, we reviewed the Avengers and we were like, oh my god. Like it's like part of the thing that makes a good parody is taking like the essence of what makes of like the things that people remember from the characters uh, and, you know, a couple of like really key lines and turning them about porn and taking like one prop that's porny and, or that's, you know, that's used throughout the thing. Like, you know, one of the, one of the glowing rocks and like turning it into a glowing dildo, you know, <laughs> and they didn't, you know, and they didn't do any of that. It was just, we're going to make random characters. Fuck. Like, that it was not good and like thor thor was kind of thor was yelly and in charge and inspirational with a bit like i'm like thor's a fucking idiot okay like that's you know he's he's very strong but he's also a bumbling moron and they didn't get any of that and i was just oh i was so mad but you know we really like i say we really do we're we're the statler and waldorf of porn we really are looking for the plots <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, for what I hear on the recent episode, the uh, Napoleon Dynamite one was pretty awful. Oh my! I, I'm glad I missed it. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be back to recording soon enough. We just I need a few more weeks to get my to get my headaches managed and get my get my affairs back in order because it's been it's uh yeah don't get a headache for nine and a half years you'll fall behind on a few things. Oh shit! Like yeah. Okay, so outside of doing the porn cast and uh, being the the Karen of weed dealers, um, <laughs> what else um, have you been working on, and what what do you hope to get back on the horse with now that you're getting your uh, your headaches together? So the main thing that I do actually, um, I'm a very well respected science writer. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we should mention my day job. So I have about uh, over at scibabe.com slash uh, the the way the place that you can find me and the stuff that I do the most of on social media is over on Facebook, which I know is for really old people now. Uh, so you can find me over at facebook.com slash scibabe where I am snarky and uh, very sciencey and I try to debunk all of the bunk on the internet, which yeah. whoo, that's a fool's errand. Um, I, I didn't realize we were going to go into the Donald Trump era five years ago when I started this, where nobody believes anything. Right. We're, um, there's a war against science. Like, yeah, when did you ever think not... there's going to be a war against science? I, you know, I thought a few years ago it was like, let's fight anti-vaxxers and people who are telling people that everything in the food supply is killing them, you know, wipe my hands, I'll be done. And now people are wearing shirts that say that we should kill journalists. And I'm like, oh boy, I stepped in something deeper that I, I that I knew how to unstep in. Um, but it's, you know, I, I, um, like every time you read something on the, on the internet saying, you know, these, there are toxins in foods that you have to detox. I'm like, 
all right, uh, that's not how, like, number one, detox isn't the thing. <laughs> there are no toxins that fruit juice is going to remove from your body. If you need to detox, if you have heby metals in your body, you need dimer caparol chelation. There are no supplements at the store that make your kidneys or liver work better. There's no, there's no, none of this works. And like, I've written a handful of articles on this that have done very, very well. Uh, and like I said, we go through all of this with, uh, with, with peer-reviewed studies. We go through all of it very, very carefully and make our case so that people will think more clearly about the types of marketing uh, in the food industry that they fall for. And I think that uh, I haven't focused as much in my earlier writing on the types of marketing that like, you know, there's there's bullshit marketing that tries to make you spend more on like the organic, vegan, gluten free, uh, guaranteed as best as free, not made with white rhino horn, that type of shit. But like, I think now I'm trying to focus a little bit more on the types of insidious marketing from the food industry, like from conventional ag. And that's, that's something I didn't do as much of earlier. And I'm trying to focus on that more now, but it's been, um, I, I kind of look at what I do as consumer advocacy because I think that there's so much in science that people don't understand that it's very, and it's, I don't think it's people's fault. I think that we don't educate well enough and we don't teach critical thinking very well. And it's, it's easy to kind of see whatever on your Facebook, uh, stream from a friend and think, why would my friend post something, uh, that's bullshit. You know, my, my friend probably looked into this, of course, you know, you (laughs) you repost and you repost and you repost. And, you know, it seems like, like I've been through shit with the medical system in the last 10 years. If I wasn't as educated as I am and as, you know, uh, voracious of a, of a, uh, of a consumer of information as I am, it would be really easy for me to have been like, fuck it, alternative medicine for everything. So I don't blame people when they look for alternatives outside of main, out of, outside of what's accurate science, uh, in the alternative. I see why people do that, but I hope that people will say, instead of going to something out of desperation, they'll go, all right, what's the science? I have to, I have to keep hunting for what the real answer is. Uh, and you know what the science-based answer is because it's, uh, it's easy to fall for something when you're desperate. It's easy to, uh, you know, get uh, get an answer that says, you know, medicine, uh, modern medicine is kind of uh, shit. You know, the corporations lie because they do. Uh, but you know, just because, uh, to quote uh, Dr. Ben, uh, uh, Dr. Ben Goldiker, who's written the book Bad Science and the, also the book Bad, uh, Bad Pharma, uh, just because modern medicine is shit doesn't mean magic beans work. So I'm. <laughs> I'm right. trying to I keep trying to uh, bang that home on social media. And, you know, I, I write articles that are a combination of science and dick jokes and it seems to work. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that's actually been, you know, progressive in modern medicine that you feel like that is actually working that, that you feel needs to be talked about more that isn't getting its, uh, it's like due coverage. It's, you know, I think there are a few things that people don't realize have happened or are just or the people bag on a little bit uh, that they don't realize how good it is. Like I get you all the time. I'll see on social media. People be like, we're all drugged up too much on psych meds. Do people understand what psych care was like before the Prozac revolution? <laughs> Like it used to be lobotomies, Thorazine and warehousing. That's what we had. Right. Lobotomies and Thorazine. That was you had those for options. And so, I mean, I get it. Our our ability to treat and manage uh, a lot of mental health issues are not perfect. They are not. But I think that uh, the fact that like people hear, oh, you're on, like there's still a huge stigma 
for for having depression and having uh, various psychological uh, disorders and mood disorders. Uh, but I think that and there's also stigma for medicating for it, which I think is a huge problem yeah. uh, that there's a stigma. But I, I think that people talk down about the fact that we have these meds when really it's a huge leap forward. They're not perfect. They're not uh, I don't think they're the final uh, thing that we're going to have for this. But I think that people need to uh, realize how far we've come. Um, another thing that we have is that we're, uh, doctors are finally starting to look at, or not finally starting to, they've been working on them for a long time, but there are new classes of antibiotics that are being looked into because, or new ways to treat bacterial infections that are in the pipeline because the antibiotics that we have as they are, um, are not, uh, this we're leading towards disaster. Like this is just inevitable march towards, I mean, we have methicillin resistant, yeah, methicillin resistant gonorrhea right now. So even if, if you're on, if, if, if you're on prep, if you're on whatever to try to prevent, you know, some of the, the, the things that, yeah, just please condom the fuck up. You don't know who's going to shoot some methicillin resistant gonorrhea in your eye. I, I just, I hear that's bad. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, just a rumor. Um, but you know, it's new classes of antibiotics are being, uh, are being researched. Here's something really fascinating that I think most people don't know about. We now have a uh, a vaccine for Ebola. Oh, snap. Yeah, 97% effective. Now, here's the interesting part. I, I wrote um, an article on, I believe it's the last article that's up on my on my personal site, cybabe.com. I interviewed a doctor who'd worked on, uh, on Ebola research uh, back during one of the uh, earlier outbreaks. Uh, and basically the conclusion we came to was, here's, uh, talk to a doctor on who'd done Ebola research. Uh, you should probably get your flu vaccine. <laughs> That's what you can do best to keep yourself safe because, uh, and I asked, you know, are, now that we have this vaccine, are, is it going to be rolling out in Africa and in areas that are hotspots for this uh, in, in high numbers? He's like, well, you have to realize even during years where there's an outbreak, maybe a thousand people will die, you know, in higher years up to 10. Every year, look at the numbers of people who die from malaria, from measles still, uh, and all of these things in these countries. So the biggest push in these is not going to be Ebola, not yet, just based on the economics. The biggest push is going to be getting measles vaccine out still. I mean, so when so when people in America are like, I don't need vaccines, that doesn't happen here anymore. Oh, my God. Like, there are people in Africa who uh, who are dying, who would kill for things that people in, in wealthy suburbs of San Francisco are like, that's okay. I'll pass. <laughs> that's okay. No. K- Kaden and Madison don't need those. I don't want them to have autism, you know. It's, I, I don't I don't want them to have herd immunity. It's okay. As long as they as long as their immune systems are still pure, they can die of they can die of measles related complications. It's cool. Ugh. Right. Fuck these fucking anti vaxxers in the neck with a cactus. Moving on. <laughs> What's um every once in a while I get I I see some sort of report about HIV and AIDS. Like from your perspective, what what have you heard about that? It's well, I mean, that's a that is a nebulous question. What do you what is your um, when you say I see some sort of report? Do you mean on on where we are with the treatment for it? Yeah, or? like I, I see stuff that were like that. There's you know basically cures or basically like people Ooh. can live long with it or something. You know. A couple things that have been happening with that. So one, of course, we have PrEP and PEP. We have pre-exposure uh, prophylactics or prophylactics. So it's at this point, I believe, only six people in the world uh, have gotten 
uh, have had AIDS transmitted to them that are on PrEP. So it is practically, if you have somebody who has a 0% viral load uh, and they are having sex with someone who is on PrEP, it is practically impossible. Uh, and I mean, I believe it's just, it, it is at that point with zero viral load, you have somebody who is, who has it having sex with someone on prep that it has not happened that it's been transmitted. So uh, it's at the point where people are like, it's hard to say if people are living a quote normal lifespan because we're, you know, we're still what only 30, we're only 30 years into this. Like I, yeah. it, the, the year that AIDS entered the dictionary was the year that I was born. So it's my fault, obviously. Um, <laughs> and I'm, and, and I'm 36. So, I mean, there, how, how do we know what, you know, what the quote normal lifespan is of someone just getting onto these drugs now? We just, we don't. So, but it seems like people are living healthier. They're living longer. The viral loads aren't getting up. It's not going from HIV to AIDS in anywhere near the progression it was before. Uh, but it's true. A couple people have been a hundred percent cured of AIDS now. Um, but the way they do it, it doesn't, it doesn't work all the time. You yeah. have to have specific uh, conditions going on. And it's basically, and I believe that it was from a, a bone marrow transplant. I please, if you're out there listening, please double check me on that. I am, I am comfortable being wrong and being fact but I believe it was a bone marrow transplant. Uh, and it's, it, you know, this is obviously not everybody can, uh, can has access to that treatment. Um, right. But, you know, they are uh, they're getting very close or closer to an AIDS vaccine. That's been in the works for many, many years now. Uh, but, you know, we're going to see a cure to this, uh, a cure slash a preventative treatment within our lifetime. And I mean, the fact that like I remember like I was growing up in the 90s. I remember, you know, I remember when rent wasn't a joke. Right, <laughs> right. Like it was a death sentence, AIDS, man. AIDS, and people AIDS, were AIDS, AIDS. <laughs> like it's yeah, I remember it being the scary thing. That the scary were, like, thing. Like, yeah, there's nothing more scarier than getting AIDS. Yeah. It's, I, I just, that was, I mean, I, if I recall correctly, there was a kid at my high school who had gotten it from be, from having hemophilia and, you know, just grew up. That was, that was a thing he had growing up. And it's like, it's, I mean, still has it obviously, but it's like, that's, you know, that was, it's, that was a thing people still got from having uh, hemophilia back in the, back when we were kids. And it's amazing to think that now he's going to live a full, long, healthy life. Uh, it's, you know, he, he could even have children that are not going to be at risk of, of contracting it. You know, like that's the kind of thing that is, that's kind of amazing to think of where we were when I was a kid and that me medical reality is just changed. It's completely not the same anymore. And like, that wouldn't have been the case if AIDS showed up in like the fifties, like we weren't, or, or, you know, I'm speaking out of my ass on that one, but still like we weren't as good at this kind of thing in the fifties like that. We didn't have the technology yet. We're better at this now. I mean, I, I don't know where we're going to be at this 50 years from now. Like we might have better drugs. We might have like we, whatever the treatment ends up being, whatever the preventative, whatever the full treatment is, they might come out 30 years later and be like, we've got something better again. <laughs> so that's the cool thing about medicine. It's always getting better. Right. For a while, we're like everybody, you know, people are still dying from AIDS and we're like, what the fuck is Magic Johnson doing, man? <laughs> it's apparently like, there was an episode of South Park with him, uh, with, you know, with, with the whole AIDS cure thing. And they were like, oh, all you have to do is just eat a lot of money. You just need <laughs> money 
tons of it. So, but I mean, some people would live with it for, you know, they'd be dead within six months and some people would live for a decade with no treatment. So he might've had a combination of having a really fucking great immune system to start with. And just, you know, he had access to every experimental and cutting edge treatment on the planet really early. Um, and it's the fact that he's managed to live for so long is also given medicine a window into how, uh, how well you can treat someone uh, with it. So it's it's really impressive that he's done so well for so long. And it, yeah, it's weird. Like when, when we were growing up, it was like when someone like famous, you know, got AIDS, it was like a big thing. But then yeah. like you had like um, years ago when Charlie Sheen said that he, uh, you know, had it. It was just like, eh, all right. You know. yeah, it's, well, First I mean, off, it's not shocking. Then like – how to phrase this nicely about Charlie Sheen. Nobody was shocked. It wasn't shocked, you know, but was, any, was anyone surprised really? Like he did seem like somebody who was going to stick his dick in the, in a place that was not going to turn out well for him. <laughs> or, you know, here's the thing. It might not have been his dick. It might've been a needle. He doesn't seem like he was paying attention to anything that was going into or out of his body at that point in, in time. Maybe it was actual tiger blood. Right. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe he actually. My veins. Oh my god, that was so nutty. Like for weeks, we were all saying, like, winning became a joke because of that man. Right. So much... Everybody's like hashtag winning. <laughs> oh my god, tiger blood. That was like it's. And I mean, we were all sitting there for the Charlie Sheen show, and Jesus Christ, like nobody was around that man. Like nobody became the adult in the room to tell that man, hey. You're going to fucking die, you idiot. Like, how did, how did, how was that not a thing that happened? Millions of dollars and not the sense to pay someone to keep him in line. Just, yeah, sometimes you know, I like, I, I say the same thing about certain people. I'm like, like, where, where's this person's friend or somebody that just like is paid to like keep them like chill? <laughs> yeah, it, it seems. It seems some people, uh, you know, a lot of money, not a lot of common sense. That's that's a thing that happens. Or and and I mean, I've seen this. I have a couple of of, um, of very famous friends uh, that I'll keep their names off of here. But uh, one of you know one of my really uh, famous friends, and I kind of stopped hanging out with them after a while. Just kept surrounding themselves with yes men. Uh, and mm -hmm. it was, it was kind of painful to watch cause you, at first, you know, they seemed like someone who was like, yeah, I like, you know, the you know, vigorous discussions and whatnot. And it's like, you realize they only liked the vigorous discussions if it ended with you agreeing with them. It's like, this is a, this is not someone who likes vigorous debate and having everyone's opinions heard. And then, and then, you know, you could have a disagreement. They only like it if your disagreement stops. Right. And it's like, it, you know, and I think some, it's really easy if you're famous to just want, yes, to just to engineer only yes men around you. And that's, that's what happens in a lot of these cases. It's like, I, uh, I, and you know, I, I have a following and I saw it developing slowly enough that I'm like, nah, I see what happens when people have a following and don't keep people telling them no, <laughs> uh, just keep, make sure there are people around you who will tell you when you're being a fucking moron. Like it's cause, cause we all have those moments, <laughs> me right. more than most. Speaking of that, you know, how do you feel like you were, you know, developed your following? You know, why do people like are drawn to your work, you know, and how do you sort of uh, navigate all that? 
search me. Uh, I, um, it's, I think part of it, uh, to be blunt, I think that I, I have the, the writing voice of a guy and, uh, and I also have boobs. Um, so I think that yeah. might have something to do with like the number of times <laughs> people have addressed me before they realize, uh, who I was or, or that I was a girl. Like they look at my writing as though it's a guy's writing a lot of the time. And it's just, my science writing is fairly gender neutral. Uh, you know, there's, and that kind of helps sometimes, uh, but it's just, it's very funny and accessible. Um, a lot of it is just, I, I want people when they're reading an article about science, like, and I, I took a lot from, uh, like I, I you know, the website crack.com. Yeah. It's, I loved the way that they wrote about things on there. Cause it didn't matter what the article was about. If it was about history or video games or politics, I would read anything on there. And it was because they made it so funny fucking entertaining and i'm like if i'm gonna write about science i want to write about it like this i want to write the best most entertaining article i can and also teach people something and i was writing about subjects that i was that that i was really interested in and i'm like all right i want to write an article that i would want to read like it was something from this website that i love so much uh and i that's kind of what i did i'm like let's write something that i would enjoy um so you know it's already kind of a fucking goofball thank you daddy issues uh and so you know just put all those issues to good use and wrote some some funny stuff and you know i got i got some flack from it initially because there were some people in the skeptic community that are like she's practically writing porn a lot with the science i'm like yes and people like porn <laughs> so they're, they're reading me and i i was surprised at how fast the audience grew because about seven months in i had about thirty thousand followers on facebook and a, a fairly meager following on twitter and then my first article went nutty my first professional piece of writing went uh viral i was a trending story on facebook oh um, nice. i landed on the front page of the la times uh it's a bunch of like i could not keep up with all the media requests in my inbox i was getting 300 emails a day it was just it was nuts the the article was called the food bay blogger is full of shit i i kind of i fucked up her career for a while like she was one of these bloggers who's like if you can't pronounce it don't eat it everything in the food supply is killing you uh you can only eat something if i pre approved you know those types of things yes, like yes it was and she was saying things that were blatantly scientifically untrue. Um, at one point, like she was telling people that, um, what was it? Uh, the the oxygen or the air in the airplanes is is uh, isn't 100 percent oxygen. It's a, it's up to 50 percent nitrogen. It's like bitch, the oxygen the air around you is 78 percent nitrogen all the time. Like she was trying to claim that the pilots controlled the flow of air of oxygen in the airplane, so you should sit closer to the front <laughs> so that you got more oxygen. It's like oh my God, you're too stupid to function. Like, and it was just, she'd built up this massive following. There were rumors that she was going to get a television show. Uh, and just the level of dumb was astounding. Uh, so we just piece by piece debunked, uh, all the, all the kinds of things that she did. And we were, I was coming back from my first big talk. It was in, it was in Memphis and I had a layover in Houston and I'd never written, like I said, first, um, piece of writing that I was paid for before that had just been blogging on my, like, I, I saw the article doing well, and on my layover uh, coming back to L.A., I was in Houston. My article hit a million views. So a few hours in, I hit a million views. I'm like, this is going to be interesting. And my, I talked to my editor the next day. She's like, it's going up faster in views today than it was yesterday. I've never seen this before. And it was it was just bedlam for a week. Um, I Later that week, and this is I, – I apologize for what's going to be name-dropping in a minute, but like I – like I said, I only had quote only, but I was, you know, I had 30,000 followers on my little right. Facebook page. I knew that nobody knew who I was, or I thought that nobody knew who I was. Um, 
my mom happened to have a scheduled visit out to LA that week, like, you know, to come, come visit and, uh, you know, happened to have that flight booked the most nutty week of my life. Like I finally, after two weeks of this, I collapsed for 13 hours of sleep. It was just crazy. Uh, and she gets, uh, she gets out there and, you know, after, you know, a couple more days of, you know, everything going crazy and me having no free time, I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm going to bed. My boyfriend at the time, now my husband was visiting. She, uh, he, my mom and my boyfriend are in the visit. My mom and my boyfriend are in the living room chatting. I'd gone to bed. I'm playing on my phone and I'm like, you know, I have all these, I've gotten like 10,000 new Twitter followers this week. Oh, I went from 30,000 to a hundred thousand new Facebook followers in a week. It was, just, oh. it was crazy. I, I'd, I'd go to bed. I'd wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or whatever. I'd check. I'm like, Oh, there's 20,000 new followers. What the hell happened to my life? Um, it's nobody tells you what happens when you go viral. There's no playbook for it. There's no rules. You just, okay, batten down the fucking hatches. Um, but I, anyways, I'm going through like, I'm just going to go through and look for blue check marks on my new Twitter followers. And I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. And all of a sudden my mom and my boyfriend hear a scream from the other room. And they're like, what, what happened? I'm like, Hugh Laurie's following me on Twitter. <laughs> he had at the time he had about 2 million followers and he was only following, uh, like less than 200 people. So I'm right. like, what? What just happened to my life? And I was actually watching House like while, like, <laughs> while I was writing the article. So I'm like, okay, my life's uh, something something very strange and different just happened here that uh, this weirdo chemist who was like the least popular kid in, in school um, just – that shit happened to me and I still don't understand it. So, you know, here's to the weirdos because we have better stories. <laughs> Nice. So let's put those daddy issues to good use, girls. We can do it. So I'm, you know, I, I, if you'd, if, if someone had told me this is going to be where my life was going, uh, back when, back when I was like, I'm going, I'm going to study some chem. Uh, I, I wouldn't have believed you, but I, I did, uh, I, my undergrad degrees are in chem and theater. And I joked, uh, that I wanted to be the next, you know, we already had Bill Nye, the science guy. We needed Yvette, the science dudette. I got really close to what I was aiming for. Right. I, just, I I wouldn't have I never would have guessed and I never would have predicted it actually would have happened. So I'm you know, I'm I'm very lucky. I feel thrilled that like I hadn't been able to write for a while because my headaches were just so bad that I couldn't sit down and read a stack of peer reviewed papers in order to do the writing that I'm doing. So back to writing again and I, I just it feels so weird to not be in miserable pain. I'm just it's it's like this the clouds have gone away. So it's a whole new back, world. Yeah. Back to telling people they're full of shit again. I love it. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> back, back to hanging out with, with my, with my partner in crime, Alice and doing some back to doing some crimes. I'm so excited. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. And I always like to, uh, to uh, ask this question to people. And it's like, what's like sort of a nugget of knowledge from your life and career that anybody listening to this, it doesn't matter what they do can sort of project into their own lives. Ooh, nugget of knowledge, nugget of knowledge. Um, I think, let's see, here's one. Um, let's see. What is one that I've stumbled across recently while I was really, really high and that I was happy with? Um, I think, um, if things are going poorly in your life, and this is something that I, I had to stumble across when things were not going well in my life, I think that you have shit that's going wrong if you're kind of at a, uh, a crossroads in this, like, I, I really had a bit of a mental breakdown when my head was, when my headache was hurting, when I wasn't sure what to do with Cybabe because I was a little burnt out, um, I, you know, and at one point I was kind of, I was, there were external factors that were going wrong, but at some point I, I had to sit down and go, what am I doing wrong? 
and think about it genuinely and go, not just what am I doing wrong and not try to blame myself, but go, what could I do better to get myself out of this? And, you know, it's, we're never infallible. Uh, We are always at least, you know, I mean, there are times when we're genuinely stuck and let's, I I don't want anyone to think I'm saying you're like, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstrap soldier. But like, you know, there's, you know, at some point, if you're in a position to change some things, look at yourself and go, can I, can I fix this with a directional change? Can I, uh, what can I reevaluate in, in my life? And I think if you don't, uh, I think not considering, um, your own actions can always be a thing that can hurt you. Um, and I've, I've had to look at myself a lot in the last year and figure out how I can, how I can work on that. So that's, I guess my advice is, always be willing to, to consider your own actions. And there's, there's one other thing I always tell skeptics cause I give talks at skeptic conventions. And these are people who are always, who pride themselves in being uh, hashtag rational thinkers or <laughs> rational man TM. Um, but I, it's um, my biggest advice for that group is um, being rational does not mean saying I am rational. Therefore I'm right. It means saying I am rational. Therefore I know I could be wrong. Yeah. So be open to criticism, be open to thinking about ways that you could be wrong or new ways that you could make yourself better. And that's, um, that, that's my whole thing is like, always, always look for, for a better answer for a better, for, for a more right answer. Yeah. I've, I've done a lot of that even the past few months, you know, where I've, uh, looked at myself, you know, more and being like, what can I change? You know, what can I do better? You know, what's, why, why am I not happy with this thing? You know, yeah. and how can I make it better? Like a good example is with this, uh, with this podcast, fresh is the word. I was just kind of, it's gone through a, a lot of different phases throughout the past. Um, let's say it'll be, it'll be four years soon. Had a few breaks yeah. in there. Um, but you know, the past like maybe hundred episodes been really good in regards to what I want to do with it. But, um, I was kind of going everywhere with it. You know, there's music guests, there's comic guests, all this. So I recently, I decided to take all the music guests and start a new podcast when it's just the music guests. And then I'm also doing a third podcast that just has to do with, uh, Detroit music. Oh, nice. So I'm going to have three podcasts. And to me, that is like, you know, put, um, I'll be able to promote, promote them all better. Uh, there'll be a lot more focus into each one of those. And I can like sort of organize it in my mind a lot better. And it's already breathed a lot of new life into me and to the project. Oh, yeah. There's something about having a new thing that you can you can focus your energy on that that like that that kind of it gives gives everything a little fresh flavor. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's going to give this podcast a, you know a fresh nice. flavor because I can focus it to a certain audience now while certain episodes don't get, you know, buried in there and it can have yeah. their own you know podcast over here that I can promote to a certain, you know, certain audience, you know. So yeah. I'm like super psyched about it. That's awesome. It's uh, three podcasts. Whoo. That's that's some juggling right there. My the thing friend. is, is like, it's not going to be too much difference because I was still yeah. kind of doing all of that. It just be it's just going to be more organized, you know. So, um, that you I know, like it. that's you know, and more focus where I can be like, okay, I can all right, I can do this, this, and this, and I just I have to show you my cute little critters. Aw, 
they have they've decided they've taken up residence <laughs> it's i just I, there's always a, a a modicum of there there are always some of them just curled up with me somewhere this is what happens when you have three cats and a dog they're like mom we need you always <laughs> and um to kind of uh, close things out like i always um you know, end my interviews with the same question. And uh, that question is, who is somebody that's been a part of your life or career that I could uh, realistically interview for this podcast that would have some good stories to talk about? Oh, boy. Um, that's a good question. Um, two, 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 two. Let me, let me give me give me a moment on that one. Uh, and it I, could be multiple people. Let's see. Influence on my life and career. Or just um, anybody you know, like... Um, that you that you think would be a good interview and some somebody that I can realistically get in touch with yeah like, I mean I was about to say like uh Penn Jillette's been an influence on my career but I'm not but but I mean it's I could get you I could get you his agent's number <laughs> actually I could get you his email address but he might be mad at me right um let's see who's uh, um trying to think of someone who I could who I could realistically get you uh on on a line with um, that that's been an influence on my career. I mean, uh, to, to, give, there are a lot of people in skepticism who I could probably throw in your direction. You know what? Um, it's to, or even people you're not, just fans you know of, like not, not an influence, but I have a handful of scientists who you might enjoy, uh, who you might enjoy chatting with. Do you, are you kind of tuned into the online science community at all? Not really, but that's, it sounds interesting. Like it's, I was just saying, would you? Tom Arnold's a friend of mine. I could shoot him your your way. Basically, and it's funny because somebody, uh, someone made the joke that because Tom Arnold had sent like a this video recording of him talking to Michael Cohen, just had out of the blue, fucking sent it to Samantha B. Just just sent it on over, and like the joke was like, yeah, uh, all you have to do to get Tom Arnold to show up on your thing is just email him. And or that was we had a, we had a correspondent from Jim Jeffries on our show, and he was like, yeah, we we're talking about. It. I guess you just have to email him, and we were like, yeah, that's all we did to get him on our show. But like, <laughs> but, but he'd been following my writing for years, and we kind of been you know messaging back and forth on on Twitter before. But yeah, uh, Tom Arnold was so much fun on our show. And I mean, I'm not going to say he was an influence in, in my career because that would be a, uh, a lie, but you know, he was, he's been so sweet to me and Alice. Uh, and he was just the most delightful interview. Uh, so I, it's, you know, I could shoot an intro. You'll, you'll have a lot of fun with him. He was just busting off the walls. Hilarious with us. So if, if I can, uh, get, if I can shoot, shoot an intro, um, you, and he can, and he can get you in your schedule. You'll have nothing but a blast with oh them. that sounds great <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's he's it, we, god getting him set up with the audio was hilarious just because like his his ability like basically his assistant had to do everything up to pressing record <laughs> for it and it was just it was funny so he was he was so sweet and it was adorable at the end like his kids came in and he's just he's such a good dad like that's tom at his most adorable is playing with his kids it's just so cute but <laughs> yeah we, we we have a very we have a soft spot for tom on the podcast awesome awesome <laughs> well it's been great talking with you this has been you awesome <laughs> I, had a, I had a great time uh, anytime you want me on just let me know i'll come in, i'll pinch hit if you ever need it oh that's awesome yeah yeah, you can definitely be a return guest. I love talking with you. Like I said, Likewise. once I once I I heard the podcast, I was like, I want to be their friends. Like, <laughs> if you're ever in LA, don't hesitate to look me up. Yeah, definitely. All right, 
like before we get out of here, uh, just go ahead and promote yourself. Where can people go online to get more information about you? Oh, y'all can find me at all of the Cybabe. So over at Twitter and Instagram, I am at the Cybabe, and at uh, it's at Facebook.com/slash/Cybabe, and the website is Cybabe.com. That's a whole lot of Cybabing. I promise I'm cute enough to uh, live up to the babe part of that if you slap enough makeup on me. Um, and you can also find my writing at Self and the Outline. I'm a contributing writer at the Outline, and I'm a columnist at Self, where I debunk bullshit with a lot of snark and dick jokes. Uh, hope you enjoy it. If you don't, I, I really don't care. I, I can't I can't change your mind. If I can't change your mind with all the dick jokes, I, I don't know what I can do to get through to you. So I, I hope you like it. So come come join me. And thank you so much for having me on. I had a great time. Oh, I had a great time. <laughs> this is a blast. Oh, yeah. We got to do this again. Definitely. <laughs> all so right. Maybe- Let's just say let's 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 get let's get Alice on. And we'll just we'll have it as we call them on our show. We'll have a three way. Oh please, we got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be. I, it's. I was going to say we're always looking for people to review porn with. We can we can we can pull you into our circle. Oh, I would love to do that. Just, yeah. Do you have? Here's a question. Do you have a favorite uh, favorite movie or TV show? Because that's how we do it. We ask our guests what they're like if they have a favorite or a handful, and we'll see if we can pull one. Um, my favorite of my favorite TV show of all time is uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We have not done one of those, and there's definitely a Buffy porn parody. Oh yes. So I'll run it by I'll, I'll run it by Alice and see if we can sneak it in. Yeah, we got to do that. So, all right. Hey, yo, thank you for listening to this episode of Fresh is the Word, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash fresh is the word. Intro theme music by Foulmouth, Shimmy Bango, and Knox Money. Fresh is the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh is the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh is the word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh the Word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshofthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.